0: Welcome, listeners, to Dark Tides, Season 3, Episode 12? Maybe. I am um, your host, show creator and narrator, Aubrey Lyddon. Back again with me is... Uh, I was literally about to say Ernest Marsh. Chester Lyddon. What up, yo? Who plays Ernest Marsh, and BJ Engate, who plays some other guy. Hey, I'm the other guy. Hey, other guy. We back. Hey, bro. We do be back, back. though. We do be back, yeah.
1: Um. Yeah. Back on that. That grindstone.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Please don't. It makes me physically uncomfortable when people say that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. me too. It's like when people say vibe now. It's like, yeah, mm-hmm. there's a lot. There's a. I'm finding an increasing everywhere. number of words that make me
2: physically or like, doggo cringe. or something like that. I'm just like, mm-hmm. what? Like doggo when people are talking about dogs, something. I, don't know, just, I, I, I think that's just. A, I think that's just a no. Humor. It's a, it's like the the only way the internet calls a dog now is doggo. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah I was yeah, like, yeah, this is. It's a good dog yeah, yeah yeah And then when people In real life say it I'm just like yes, Please stop Please stop Welcome to Dark Tides A social commentary well, podcast Yeah It always has been This, this <laughs> week What's wrong with the youth Exactly What's always been wrong With the youth Weed and rock and roll <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Always For the last 50 50 60 years
0: yeah. 70 years
1: <laughs> Before that it was Jazz I don't know Jazz has, Yeah <laughs> It was jazz and swing dancing Before that For like 10 and years And also still weed I guess Yeah, probably.
0: Um, All right. Fun facts, character things, recommendations, plugs. Favorite (laughs) recipe? I don't know. Favorite recipe?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oof.
2: Oof. 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 Oofed. (laughs) Ooh. Ooh.
0: I, I can do a cringy thing.
2: Okay.
1: Oh, I would like yeah. to plug going outside and touching grass. Oh, that was that was nice. That's no, it was <laughs> nice until you said touching grass because that's a meme. Exactly, that's my point. That's, going outside, it's one of those things that when people say this, it, like, I touched grass, it's like, good for you. That doesn't mean you actually
2: like registered any of that experience. <laughs> it doesn't mean you're a fully functioning person.
1: Yeah, it
0: doesn't mean that you've returned to what human beings are yeah. actually supposed to be, which Just is... because you touched grass. Creatures that live outside of an air-conditioned box. Yeah. yeah. You husks. <laughs> As we sit in our heated box. Look, it's 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 subjective. Depending on your lifestyle, that may be a significant marker of a good thing you did today. In
2: which case, that's great. But it, doesn't mean it I need to be happy still makes you. me sad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that's my whole thing. I don't feel like I need to be happy for you for anything. It's that song. It's such a good line in Mark Sto- uh, one of Mark Stoney's songs. I listen to it all the time. Where he says, uh, Good Lord, I'm bored of applauding the ordinary. And I was like, man, I feel that so much in life. That's good. So- <laughs> We've really established a tone for this
0: episode so yeah. far. What's, was- wrong? What's wrong with you? Post-aggressive... Uh, post-aggressive? Passive-aggressive uh, feelings towards our general audience.
1: <laughs> Post- is that like post-modern? Is it like a post-modern I mean, emotion? Look, post-aggressive? Post-aggressive I'm would be the you've, you've moved <laughs> past aggression. That sounds like political <laughs> lo-fi. Haven't. It's like, you know, we went through the aggro phase now of like political music was like Rage Against the Machine, and now it's political music
2: is lo-fi, so it's post-aggressive. Yeah, very good. I want to recommend the new Legend of Zelda game. You haven't played it that much. Right? played a little bit of it. It's quite good. It's very, it's... I don't think tricky. Nintendo
0: needs our support. You're right. <laughs> don't play <laughs> You know what? Take that money you would have spent on that probably very good game and just give it to us. Give it to us. Or buy, buy some like, shovelware yeah. thing. <laughs> I
1: don't know. I've or been squatting buy some grass. for two hours, guys. My calves, are, my calves are fine. My quads are killing me. Please. <laughs> please send help. Please. Send the th- Dark Tides Company isn't doing yeah, too We're well. going to use
0: the Masi to... Uh, <laughs> You got... It. Yeah, no, just having a, a slight aneurysm. I will use the money that you send us to send BJ to a chiropractor rather than buying a yeah.
2: chair.
1: So that he won't injure himself when he squats in the corner for three hours
2: We'll straight. buy lumbar support for me. We feel
1: like that's <laughs> the most economic way to deal with the situation. Instead of buying BJ one chair, we'll buy us two better chairs. So <laughs> <laughs> we can be even and, more
0: entertained. And then we'll sell those first two chairs and use that money to buy more microphones. Yes, <laughs> just his <presentation>. <laughs> <laughs> microphone problem. <laughs> listen,
1: yeah, I have a problem. I have a problem. Uh, oh, I, I don't know. You, know, I, I do have. A, listen to the radio. That's my no. That's my it's even worse thing. than the grass one. Uh, I've been listening to Classic FM for a while. It's been it's been good the last couple of weeks. I'm getting to know the hosts now. <laughs> it's Pretty fun. Have <laughs> what, you called in yet? Is it? I have not called. Is this it, literally no. like the local one? This isn't like yeah like the ABC Classic Hing, Hing and Hobber, like no. Sydney radio. No, the okay. well the the ABC one. One. okay the, just the ABC classical music great uh, right. station yeah. Very good yeah, so the Don't, you don't Play dance is Monkey just, is surely just a bot no because if they did I would switch it off <laughs> <laughs> yeah
2: <laughs> but can I, play I'm dance fairly sure monkey. that that's
1: been my fun fact at some other point I in think the show it has well, when I went through yeah. another phase because uh, I think I talked about the fact that it's the only channel that doesn't work cleanly in my car but yeah it's okay, I have the app now. <laughs> so I just listened through the app. It sounds much better. Uh, yep. I don't have a character fun fact. Nah. No, I nah. do. He also wrote a message to his mum as well. Oh, God. This oh, is exactly I like see. season... Uh, it was definitely end of season one or early season two,
0: where you guys would just make up really non... Like, not nonsensical things. Just, just like, here's a thing that my character did that has no relation to anything. It isn't actually that interesting. Yeah. And then... And then you, the next one If you would just like copy the thing that the other one did it was yeah. like clearly no one thought about these fun facts beforehand Yeah, I don't remember us doing
3: that
1: I don't know we only do them <laughs> because, doing that. because Dungeons okay. and Daddies used to yeah. do them the tricky thing with character fun facts is you can either do something really profound and like major. important don't worry mm-hmm. I got you um, which requires foreplanning which I never do but also I feel like all of, char- uh, all of Alistair's backstory has been revealed like in season one Mm-hmm. So there's, I feel like there's not much left of that, uh, and then the other option is I don't think about it. I get here and I have to come up with something on the spot, which is never going to be very good or interesting. Um, but yeah, it's entertaining. But it is sometimes how it works. But um, I did think about the the letter to his sister um, beforehand. Uh huh.
0: My the my recommendation is uh, if you enjoy our podcast, we are effectively an Australian. Role play, actual play podcast. We are only Australian. Um, another one that's worth checking out is D and D's for Nerds, uh, which is a Sandspans Radio uh, production. What they're country? also pretty good. Australia, for instance. Oh no, they're pretty good. I've been anyway. There. They, have... <laughs> I've been there <laughs> <laughs> to Australia. <laughs> yes, yeah. um, and they don't do any of that. They basically just don't introduce characters. They don't even do like table talk beforehand. They right. just play D D, copying our style. Uh, No, the point was that we've copied other people's style, and here's people who don't do any of the things that we do. Yep. Oh. Should we start the episode? We should probably start the episode. We're not- Well, yeah. I'm excited for this one. In the last episode, uh, everyone was on boats. Everyone was in storms. Everyone got out of storms into clear area of water. And Ernest nearly died. Both of you saw a mysterious hooded man in a boat in the distance. Ernest nearly drowned. Discovering that underneath the water, are uh, the drowned bodies of uh, naval like sailors um, who had died in some kind of conflict mm, I Puck think- was able to pull you out of the water, but not before you'd lost your character defining iconic mm-hmm. yellow
1: coat and bomber cap. Um, <laughs> I think that's the closest I've ever been in this show to wondering if. One of our characters was actually going to die. <laughs> it's like I knew that probably wouldn't happen, but I was like, uh,
2: "Yes, Aaron, seriously, going to drown? I actually <laughs> do <laughs> think this is <laughs> <was, laughs> This is the closest <laughs> that we've got." And yeah. he just cuts like, himself while shaving. Oh, oh God! Oh <laughs> God! <gosh. laughs> Shit, getting worse. And he just worse. Dies
1: off screen <laughs> <laughs> one morning, shaving. Well, it's like, "Where's it? Oh, he's dead." At
0: the risk of interrupting the fact that we're doing the recap, uh, in in traditional D anD D, it is kind of said that the easiest way to kill uh, player characters is have them cross a river because they almost always fall in the water and then there's like the mechanics for the way that water pressure and speed works. It's really hard to... It's almost... You're almost certainly going to die. Wow. Um, You basically... If you don't drown, you die from fall damage as soon as you
1: hit a rock. Like you just smash into a rock and you're dead. And it's like some ridiculous amount of damage. So if a DM
2: tells you to cross a river, don't do it. Yeah, he's trying to get you to create a new battle war, like battle hardened barbarian who's Level just taken fifty uh, fireballs uh, literally... to the face. Is like, yeah. ah, a river. Oh no. Yeah. Anyway, returning to the uh, the recap, you
0: found another version of Marv. This one the youngest yet, probably only a teenager, on his first commission um, in the navy, and you realized Alistair through a f- sort of a flashback of memory. That you had been told as a child that ne- um, that Marv's first ship, the first ship that he was on, was the Hangman, and that it was lost at sea, and that he was, they think, the only survivor of the crew. And then that was also interrupted by hordes of the undead climbing out of the water onto the ah, ship. And the, that is where The soggy start. undead. <laughs> yes, the soggy undead. Thank you.
3: you know, Mr. Pop... <laughs> <laughs>
1: switches into battle mode after this sort of realization of Marv and, and everything when he realizes what's coming. Um, so he just wheels round to his people and just immediately like switches into Raidling. All right, mode. It's fight time. There he goes. Ernest, perimeter, puck, chains. Nancy, take my gun. It only has nine rounds left.
2: Ernest. Marvs, get to high ground. Let's move <laughs> Ernest kind of frowns for a moment and he's looking at the The hordes of Amy's coming. How many are we thinking? Let me do some rolling. That will be 52. Yeah. Good. Ernest is looking at the number and he's looking around the area and he looks to Alistair and he says, Alistair, that's beyond us. This whole place is beyond us. I'll do what I can, but I'm going to start asking for some help. And he's going to snap his fingers and two more Ernests are going to appear at either side of him. One is going to take the lantern. One's going to take the gun. And he's going to start walking up to the very top of the ship. We're all kind of moving back to the top, I would
1: imagine, like well, the highest point. Oh, so you're going to try and climb to the the
0: um like the bridge tower, we, I the bridge. We yeah. I, I need to learn. We use so many ships in this show. I need to learn the terminology. Okay. Um, well, if you were going to make it to the bridge, coming
1: from the bottom, we want to run away. So,
0: um, yeah. all right, make a make physical rolls for me. I'll just take whatever you two
1: get as the group. Mm-hmm. Um. um And Alistair just says to you, he's like, I know, but we've got to hold them off until we find out what's going on. Eight. Unnatural 12.
0: Okay. You are making good time. Um, And so you won't run into any of these uh, drowned and dead sailors. On the way, you're going to be able to get there first. The Marvs do not follow you, though. All three Marvs are stuck frozen in the same place as the teenage Marv. They're right at the bow of the boat. Um, looking out at some unseen so they're where we're heading no no the bow, are, the bow is the the, they're very the bow the going front of the boat right, towards. The... you're heading yeah. back and up uh, and you can just you can see them there but the dead seem to be uninterested in them yeah um, mm-hmm. as you watch there are dead crawling up the boat and passing them and it's uh it's strange because the teenage Marv seems uh, Utterly unaware that they are there, whereas the older two seem at least partially aware that they are both here and not here. They seem to be
2: almost trapped in the memory of what has happened. Uh, Urs just uh, turns to Alistair as they're reaching the top of the highest part of the boat. Just buy me time, and he's going to sit down, cross-legged, and close his eyes. Will do. Uh,
1: Alistair hands his 9mm pistol to Mm -hmm. Nancy, and I have written down here it only has 9 bullets. Okay. So you've got that. I don't remember if she had a gun as well. I don't believe she did. Don't She's definitely so. got the
0: hatchet. Um, and yeah.
1: we'll stick with that. Puck is confused.
0: It- chains? What are chains? What am I doing with chains? Try and just knock them off into the water. Oh, okay. That's easy. She like flicks her right arm out to the side. And you see the black of the tattoos just almost like flowing water rush to that side. And from her fingertips uh, coil and clink out into like three or four metres of black chains that she closes her hand around and then just starts spinning over her head and like whip crack out as she just starts lashing out at anything that's climbing up the side. they're already
1: dead, we can't kill them twice. So the more we can do to get them away from us, the better. We just I don't have any off. moral quandaries about this. <laughs> I'm just saying there's no point stabbing them.
2: Uh, all right. Uh, the two Ernests stand side by side. In Hands one. on hips. Bring, bring, Ernest, bring, bring. A third one steps out from behind the other one. How do you do, Ernest? What do you need? And he says, Ernest, I have a great uh, need for you. And he says, I've already got it. And he takes the lantern and he places it down at Ernest's feet who is uh, sitting and he places his hands on it and a bubble emerges around you guys creating a sort of a safe zone at the very top of this ship. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other two Ernests uh, now look back to the like stampeding uh, crowd of undead and The first uh, looks at the guns. Now, will this work? Hmm. Points it, and he's going to try and uh, make one of the undead think that it uh, has been shot. Yeah, okay. Um, Roll an attack for me. Does it have enough mind to conceive? Let's find out. Two. Two. With the two, you don't hit it.
1: Gah. it has you enough still have mind to, you just, know that no, you missed you still have to
2: aim yeah there's a pause and the other one's like hold on let me have a go of it <laughs> he takes the, <laughs> like, the gun and it back <laughs> Alistair sees what you're
1: trying to do and that you missed but he doesn't mention that and he goes Ernests yes make him yes. think we're being shelled that's how they died Um, you, as Mm, you're doing this, Mm. and then one of them does finger guns.
0: As you're doing this, both of you can make arcana rolls for me. Seven. Oh, sorry. Yes, video game. (laughs) You are the wizard, so. Eleven. All right. um, Alistair, you're very focused on the the exactitude of the situation. You're basically trying to, you're basically doing the math. I'm just like. You're kind of going like, how feasible is this? Uh, Ernest, because part of your brain is free to just be reaching out what you're aware of is that there's there's multiple things layering up here you and Alistair can see this as well but it's kind of just wisps that are passing him by and he's not focusing on them he's Deliberately tuning them out, in fact. Ernest, you can see in the distance, in this, this cleared area of sea, you can see the ghostly form of another ship. You don't know what kind, opening fire. You can feel the impact and the hangman rocking. Uh, you can tell that perhaps both for Marv and for these undead, the battle is still unfolding. They are reliving it. Uh, and you can see the ghosts of of sailors rushing to and fro on the deck, um, bat- like, trying to do damage control, putting out fires, reloading guns. Hmm. Um, and so you're kind of aware that
2: on some level, the battle is still happening. Yeah. Uh, the two Ernests are going to look at each other and do the clap-clap like, the while patting on the chest thing, and all but one of them is going to disappear now, and the other is going to put his hands together and... Spin them around together, so it's like praying hands and closes eyes and you guys hear as a fighter plane flies overhead and starts circling around and is also bright yellow. And it cranes around spinning around and there is a sound as it comes along and starts shooting down imaginary shots yeah. into the crowd of nice. us. and enemies yeah
0: and they're dispersing there is panic still a bulk of them are still swarming towards you but there are more and more climbing out of the water and they are being distracted some are falling back into the water they are definitely responding you know that your power is effective here um, but it's partially effective because they do
1: believe on some level that they're still there well I'm just going to move forward a little bit to get within striking range I'm just going to make an unarmed strike on one just to see what happens yeah. see whether I can hit it see if it's if it is actually trying to kill me or not things like that <laughs> that's a nat 12 plus 4 to hit right, tell me how you kill it uh, just punch it straight in the face just like alright all so right. you're in the brig let's you're, see you're how the squishy these things are um, you're at the again what was the word we used <laughs> I'm gonna search up boat terminology. We're we're like on the the tower leading up to the bridge. Are we like on the yeah? you the bridge. At, I would
0: say you're you're in the bridge. Oh, uh, inside. So you're yeah. It's There's it, okay. like a enclosed bridge, and you're on the.
1: You're either inside, maybe Ernest is inside. You're maybe on the it's railing like around bridge. so like there's no roof, but it's on a military cruiser. Yeah, some of them have that. Okay, sure. It's like a secondary like. Yeah. All right. Not inside, but yeah. Um, so you like lean out over the railing as one of these things is climbing up,
0: and you just like full <laughs> knuckles just smack <laughs> it in the face, and face. it drops and falls into two others, knocking them down with it, and okay. it kind of hits the deck below. Right. Um, and that one stops moving uh, once they seem to. Fifty-one. Be f- <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. They seem to be fragile, but it is weight of numbers. Great. Yep. All right. Uh,
1: and I get two attacks per turn, so I'm yep. going to hit the next one coming up. You do have to hit, but you don't it's have just to roll the damage. Same fist. Uh, three <laughs> seven to hit. Um, yep,
0: that will do. Nice. Thunk. And I don't roll damage. Uh, no. Yeah, you are basically your um, the baseline of damage that you're doing is pretty much enough is, yep. to to kill them. I think my minimum is like five or six yep. minimum roll. So, um, all right, now I'm going to make rolls for Nancy. Six. Uh, she shoots one through the head. Another one drops. Puck is whipping out with the chains. She gets two attacks. She's a Ten and a natural twelve. So she'll take three with that. Mm-hmm. And the marvs are still frozen in
2: space and unable to move. And we're back to Ernest. Okay. Uh, inside Ernest's mind, he is both standing at the bow of the ship, but also standing like at the exact same point, but layered in the dreaming and once again also layered in the desert. He's like standing, all three and all are layered on top of each other and his voice is like coming over itself three times as he's looking around these different areas. He's like folding arms, making his way over, trying to see, he's like, uh, what this area is like in the desert, what this area is like in the dreaming, what this area is like mm. in kind of his mind's eye as well as he's trying to work out exactly what to do here. Nice. And you can see uh, Allah is kind of like lounging <laughs> in like a puddle of water and like lounging against the bars of a part of the ship and is uh, stroking his chin.
0: It's worth noting that in uh, both the dreaming and in the desert, this is still uh, the storm of the mist Mm. you're still in the whipping sand in the desert and this fog in the mist um, this fog in the dreaming that would indicate that you're still within the the prison set up by the shepherds
2: yeah Mm. Um, Ernest uh, spins around in the dreaming Luna Luna I think we need you and he spins around again now in the desert Carrion. Carrion, this is something beyond us. This is is something to do with the layers. This is something to do with the borders. This isn't just normal creatures. The thing I saw there... As
0: you look around, Ernest, and as your voice echoes out in the desert, uh, you begin to notice a movement in the sand. It is not just the whipping of the wind. It is uh, black beetles uh, that are unearthing themselves and being to crawl and mass around you. Uh, And you've never seen something like this in the desert. All the time that you've been here. Meanwhile, on the part in the layer of the dreaming, the crows are swarming and swooping down at you. And neither Carrion nor Luna seems to be anywhere to be found.
2: Uh, Allah kind of leans back and chills. (laughs) They're not listening. They're never really listening. The Shepherds always have their own machinations, sometimes you fall out of their direct need. It's so much fun being an ant, where gods are battling.
0: turn back to the hangman. Alistair, they are climbing up and over the railing. Puck is doing her best to keep them at bay, Mm -hmm. but three of them are going to get a swipe at you. Okay. What's your... um, AC is eight. Okay. One of them gets a hit. You take four points of damage. Oof. Puck takes five points of damage as one of them kind of launches... uh, at an angle and catches her wrist and begins to drag her down. And you can see like the fingernails Mm. lacerating and digging in as its whole body weight is trying to drag her down. It seems like their goal is to drag you into the water. All right, I'm gonna go
1: attack that one that's dragging her, Mm -hmm. which is a plenty to hit, 11. Yep. Um, So again, I assume I don't have to do damage. I just hit that one off her and then I'm gonna roll again for the next closest one. That's definitely a hit as well. Okay. Yeah, you knock this one off. You pull Puck back. She uh,
0: wheels back again with the chains and keeps whipping them down. Yep. I move back out of the way to give her, like, free space to fight. You hear a shot as Nancy takes another one, and another one drops. Uh, so far, you are keeping them at bay. Okay.
1: Is there anything else that you would like to do? Um, I'm not sure there's a whole lot else I can do other than maybe... Looking for a shield or a weapon that's because like my dagger is not really it's like high damage but it's not good for crowd control. So is there like like a riot shield type thing that I can, like, back of a chair or a pipe or something, rifle or something I can use to whack em. there's a like
0: there's a chair at the at the controls but you would have to make a strength check to like rip the
2: back off of it the the two other earnests uh come over and like nod at the chair and they both grab onto it all right we can make a no, yeah the, combined, the strength the combined strength check. Combined strength you'll have to be the 12 8 and uh, uh 12
0: and we got 6 all right between the three of you you wrench the back like you between
1: the one of me and the things that don't exist They've got physical form Yeah Yeah you snap the back hop, Off hop, this hop, chair <laughs> <laughs> Alright Alright so you've I got, got I basically just use that Like a big frying pan
2: now Alright Black things Okay Cool um, the Yeah the other Ernests, the, the ship The um, uh, plane Kind of go, Does another round Shooting And then Kind of goes a bit too far And like for some reason it just gets shot down <laughs> and one of the owners one of the owners looks to the other one it's like why would you do that? He's yeah. like I thought it would be cool <laughs> Realism and as the ship as the uh, plane twists around it crashes into the area in front of them and ignites this area on the front of the deck in fire mm. and like the other owners gestures like
1: it's cool it'll stop them <laughs> I had a plan what the, the... the
0: fire gonna do? they're they're like roiling and you can hear the, the, the strange thing about this is that these creatures make no sound.
1: Oh. They are utterly
0: silent, Ooh, yeah, that's voiceless creatures. The only sounds are the whipping of the chains, the the grunts and cries of exertion from you guys as you are lashing out at them. Uh, Ernest can hear the sounds of the battle, but otherwise it is this dead silence in the middle of a still sea in the midst of a fog So is the fire deterring them a bit? It's like a wall. Uh, It is deterring some of them, but there are a bunch that are past that point and are already crawling up. Yeah. Uh, As you look, you can see them kind of divert and begin to try and stream around it. They're trying to head to the other sides uh, to find other ways of crawling up. Actually, I'm going to write an order, (laughs) like a combat order. All right. For listeners without television, Aubrey is writing on his yeah. pad of paper. Alice is gone. The Ernests have gone. It's Puck's turn. She's going to whip out again. That's a net one, <sighs> a net one and a two. <laughs> she whips out with the chain, but it gets caught on uh, a protruding piece of metal in the, the sort of the frame below you. And before she can kind of release the tattoo and create a new one, three of these zombie dead creatures latch onto the chain and haul her over bodily over the railing and down into the midst of them, okay? Nancy uh, seeing this happen is going to lash out with her machete in one hand and Nancy will kill one but Puck is basically being bodily dragged down and you can hear Puck's mm-hmm. screams um, as she is swearing and cursing and lashing out and she's trying to create a new kind of uh, a shape with a tattoo but the amount of of jostling and attacking is preventing her from forming one for you. and now it's the zombie turn so four of them are going to get attacks on Puck time to see how much damage they do oh boy oh not no. much <laughs> never mind
1: <laughs> he's using d6s yeah and that's 12 points to Puck that's that's fine if um, there's like a couple of them though um there's a few more
0: and then the ones on Nancy 14 points on Nancy um, as she is also going to be basically, as she's leaning over trying to free Puck, uh, she is grabbed and pulled over the railing too. Mm-hmm. And then crashing through the opposite side, they've kind of like detoured around the other side and come up to try and pin you between two pincers. Uh, Four of them are going to get attacks at the two earnests. All right, three of them hit and uh, no, that is
2: 14 points of damage split between the two of them. How much yep. H-C does Um I'm not imagining very much. We never really discussed what that would we'll be like. We'll that, say that 14 on one is enough to kill that one okay. and the other one hasn't been damaged yet. Uh, yeah, so they, they get, like, battered back and, like, the third one that's, like, uh, using the, the lance is, like... You know, mm. <laughs> uh, okay, and he closes his eyes and he's going to try and make the, the area of kind of safety a bit bigger. Okay Uh,
1: And we're at the top of the round So it's Alistair Alright Alistair With his chair in one hand And his Well actually he's probably Got his knife stowed And he's holding the chair In two hands Uh, Yeah he just Because he was on the Opposite side of the bridge I'd imagine like Defending the other side So he like Just straight up Run Jump Dive straight down To to help Puck And Nancy um, just chair first alright they're gonna get free attacks on you for that mm-hmm. I'm guessing you're trying to free
0: them I'm trying to free them so they can get back alright okay. make a physical check on
1: mm-hmm. 9 uh, with a 9 you can free puck or Nancy you can pick 1 uh, I'll probably choose to free puck because she was dragged down first so I'm imagining she's further down than Nancy alright Tell me how you, you free it. So I kind of ru- run down and jump and like batter one of them over the head with the, with the thing. Um, and then pull the knife out and like stab it into the back of one of the other ones that's dragging her. And like pull it off her into the water and then grab her and pull her up. Yep. Like past me up back towards the bridge. She's going to scramble up halfway, and when it gets to her
0: turn, she will try and free Nancy on the way. So did I kill but both you're... of those two today? Yes. yes. So I'll make a
2: note I of that. I can make you a... take eight points yeah. of damage. Yeah. Okay. Alright, Ernest. Just... Okay. The, uh, the other two of us are going to scramble up to their feet and just start whoo, 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 like that SpongeBob gif of the way, like, entirely God. rigid running. <laughs> and they are going to leap off the balcony area and land in the area amongst where... Um, Nancy is and start helping to pull her out and push her back up onto the balcony. Uh, I assume it'll, it'll just to do it will just kill them, like with the battering. ring. But
0: uh, well make a make a physical check to be able to uh, free her. So one for one of them. The other one five.
1: Good job, Ernest. All right.
0: Well the one who got the five plus the fact that Puck is helping to well for because that's what she was gonna her She gets an eight. Between the two of you you're able to to wrest Nancy from the two that have her, the Ernest who rolled an actual one, uh, is going to get two free attacks on him. And it's a seven points of damage. Yep. Uh, so we'll say 14 was enough to kill the other one, except we'll that they have 14 hit points, yep. roughly, so that he's half dead. Um, and he's kind of pulled up with the rest. So now everyone but Alistair is back up on the bridge. Uh, however, the bridge is well and truly becoming swarmed. You're either going to have to move to higher ground, or you're going to have to do something quite drastic. To... Is the bridge not the highest part of the boat? You can get to the roof of the bridge. I think you're kind of on the, the railing around it. You go up one little bit higher. But it's Nancy's go first. She's going to use the gun again. And that misses, unfortunately. Um, she takes, she's breathing hard. And Ernest, you can see that she is a bit wild-eyed. This is getting. Uh, she's beginning to panic. She's missed one of her shots, so she has six left. And now it's the enemy's turn. And so, I'll roll for how many are within reach of Alistair. It's only three of them. Uh, two of them hit. Another eight damage, Alistair. <gasps> they are, they're ripping at your back, and you're feeling okay. these gouges in, and you can feel that your your blood is flowing freely now. Okay, uh, You are feeling
1: quite hurt. And it's Alistair's turn. Okay, uh, I already rolled... Uh, a very good number, 15, to throw my knife back to the roof of the bridge so that I mm. have a way out. Everyone to the roof. Ernest, create a perimeter with the lantern. We need to hold them off
2: until whatever's here shows its face. Uh, the Ernest with the lantern uh, stands up and extends out the perimeter to the other Ernest that were that help Nancy rush over to the Ernest that's like sitting on the ground, and they like lift him up, and it's like up, 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 <laughs> up making their way out to like woods, whatever way up we can, we can find. Uh, well, the one with the lantern is slowly backing up, uh, waiting for you guys to get into the lantern before they start to move. Uh,
1: Alistair, with two more successful attacks, just with his fists, kills two more
2: mm-hmm.
1: and then teleports up to the top of the roof. There right, we Ernest. Uh, and we'll say, because you have had a couple of
0: actions with the, the clone Ernest, the Ernest in the Dreaming and in the Desert, what are you doing? You are you are seeing these things swarm you. Uh, they seem to be taking a direct interest in you. They're trying to like swarm you, both yeah. of
2: these bugs and the crows. Nurse is kind of taking, trying to take a few steps back. He, uh, in the dreaming, he creates, uh, like, just makes the water drop straight down around, so leaving a, a circle that he's standing on, and then just like a chasm around it. Uh, in the desert, he can't really do much, so he's just taking steps back away from the bugs. Uh, Allah is still uh, chuckling, and Nurse turns back to him, like, "What do I do? What <laughs> you are you helping us?" or not like what what do you do (laughs) and Ella uh, smiles I'm gonna do the same thing of what uh, BJ did before it says I have helped you I am actively helping you if you would just check your damn pockets Uh, and the Ernest, back on the boat opens his eyes and reaches around to his back pocket and pulls out what is clearly the, the mashing together of an old time uh, like steel ring radio, a radio receiver, and using like the functions of like uh, a clock. It has this plate that looks like it's a plate, you know, the rotating plates that's been taken out of a microwave. And does he is, fit that in a pocket? It's, it's pretty small. Like, it's not oh, that big. Like, it's the yeah. rotating part. It's not the part. Oh, yeah, it's yeah, the yeah, rotating part. And he's yeah. looking at... Right. <laughs> and he places it down. And he's looking at the general, like, shape of it. Oh. Oh. And the other nurse hands him the lantern. He takes the lantern and places it down on the rotating piece. <laughs> Clicks it in and presses a button and the, the metal part begins to spin, 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 wrestling, wrestling, wrestling. and it's like, oh, it's an amplifier. And there is a, as a beam of light is shot directly up, breaking through some of the fog directly up. It is a solar flare. Okay. What is the effect of the solar flare? It is just uh, calling for help on like a layer level. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's being... breaking through and Ernest can see in the dream, he can see in the desert, this shooting up of light, the amplification of his powers through the lantern, through this like uh, frequency transmitter. As you look down,
0: Ernest, the the golden shield of light is still intact. Okay. Um, and you can see that these, this horde of dead are beginning to crawl to the base of it and unable to get in, but they're beginning to just swell in numbers at the base where you are now at the very, very top. Mm-hmm. Ernest now so looking down you can still see the three marvs at the prow of this boat but looking down too you can see that something is changing something is happening in the water as you watch the water bubbles and disturbs and in several places as they begin to crawl out you can see larger creatures these are still undead monsters, but they look like this membrane that seems to connect them all. In this instance, in these creatures, the membrane has drawn them together and knit them together into horrific Mm. concoctions of dead flesh, many armed and many legged, many headed. They begin to and crawl almost like centipedes up onto the boat
2: okay Ernest okay very good now we've got a problem yes uh, he's looking down yes that is that is worse but definitely big whining thing Ernest <laughs> yeah great you hear
0: one word clearly in your mind Alistair. you hear it too No. And the light dies. Ernest, you feel that same sensation. This painful, prickling unease up your back, up your neck. And this time, Alistair, you feel it too. And looking down, Directly in front of the HMAS Hangman, you see a small skiff. And in it, a shadowy figure standing, and two points of light where there should be eyes. With one movement, a gnarled, pale hand extends out of the folds of the blanket or the cloak, and you feel the water around the ship swell as he sort of cups his hand in the air and then begins to close his fist and you hear the squealing of steel as the hangman begins
1: to crush in on itself. Alistair now feeling his head swimming and the pain of the blood dripping down his back, the gashes on his arms and his chest. It's kind of finally hitting him after this surge of teleportation energy tries to focus his eyes and he just calls out he says we're here what do you want we came
2: he doesn't anything Ernest is being affected by this really heavily he's slumped to his side and his eyes kind of flickering and he like chokes out <laughs> Alistair it's, what it's him it's Terra. it has to be oh out I can't reach the other
3: shepherds
0: as you watch the water around the skiff begins to boil and bubble and turn black and almost form into like a calcified salt and it winds in like uh, rickety little steps crisscrossing back and forth up to the prow of the hangman and this shuffling little figure begins to move up the steps onto the deck and he turns to face the youngest version of Marv and reaches out a hand for him and you hear this same voice echoing inside your head and there is something familiar about it, not the voice itself but something in the ringing undertone, almost like the reverberation pricks something in your mind and you hear the voice say there is a time for everything and there will be a time for you Ernest Marsh Alistair Stern but first you must prove your mettle
1: with a 15 Alistair throws a knife Mm -hmm. and materializes just above it and he goes to cut the hooded figure's arm off okay the one that's reaching out You, like
0: a flash, and you even hear in your mind the fluttering of feathers, Alistair, as you move through the air in this strange dilation of time. You feel the knife bite into flesh and through bone and out the other side, and you land on the deck protectively in front of Marv, and you kind of, the way that you're positioned, your shoulder and your back is kind of twisted to this figure.
1: Immediately, just with this flow movement state that he gets from the, the flowing of the knife, just immediately wheels around and buries the knife into its chest. You sink the knife deep into the chest.
0: And as you do so, your eyes are kind of focused on the knife. As it hits, you drive it right to the hilt. Right between... Straight into the sternum, basically. Right through the sternum, yeah. And there is a hiss of cold breath. And you realise it is an exhalation. Not a hiss of pain. Not a hiss of frustration, even. And you realise that you can see this figure's face. You
1: are centimetres from it. Alistair, his right hand is pushing this knife deep and deeper into the chest and his left hand comes up and grabs the chin and the jawbone of this creature and he just death stares it in his eyes. You do as this to is? say oh you, you wanted to chest like whether I would do it well I've done it what do you want now? And as the the hooded
0: and you realise that this is not it's not a cloak this is just a blanket draped over this this figure mm-hmm. that as the the blanket falls back from its its face and its shoulders you see pale, waxy skin. You see long, overgrown hair and a wispy beard. And you see a face that you haven't seen in almost 15 years. You see the face of Gil Pender. There is a look of total disinterest on his face as you grab him kind of by the the jaw. I said, no. And you feel a cold shiver run down your spine as your strength saps from you, Alistair. Your hand slips off the blade of the carrion knife, off the, the handle of the carrion knife, and your weight is falling on him as you're beginning to collapse. And you're grimly holding on to his face.
1: Ernest, we were wrong. It's kill. And I would like to try and roll again with what strength I have left to... Because I've still got my hand on his head to smash his head against the ground. Like, as I go down. That's a 13. Okay, you do it. Yeah, you with
0: the absolute last ounce of your strength you haul your entire body weight on your hand that's still clutching him. And we'll say that you actually smash his head right into the the steel railing of the ship.
2: Ernest, what are you doing at this point? Ernest is still kind of shaking on his side and he hears Alistair and he just mutters to himself. No, not anymore. Alistair, you collapse onto the railing
0: with him as this figure sort of slumps slightly to the side and then begins to regain its balance. And as it turns its face towards you, you can see the crack, a web of cracks spread across its face from the lower jaw up, and pieces of skin fall away like china. And inside you can just see a void of darkness that seems to draw you in. Again, there is just expressionless blank face and the same voice inside your head. Very good. I will not say this is proof positive, but one good turn deserves another. And you look and you see that there is still no right hand. The right hand is gone. You have well and truly cut it off. The left hand reaches up and you can see the long curling nails and you realise, and Ernest of this strange out-of-body experience, almost like your heart beats once powerfully in your chest, enough to actually shake your frame, and you recognize a portion of your dream. Of a figure in a dark room with long hand with long nails curled around a toad that crushed it. As these fingernails gouge into Alistair's right eye. Rip it from the socket, and Alistair screams. And Alistair, you drop to the ground. Ernest, you are quite a distance away, but it feels like you are right there. In front of him as he holds Alistair's plucked eye on the palm of his hand. A keepsake. I will treasure it forever. If it's not too much to say, and he you can somehow he seems to be looking at both of you at the same time as he leans down towards Alistair's face. I'll be keeping an eye on you. Alistair Stern. You are swimming into unconsciousness at this point. And Ernest, you are being racked with pain at this point. He cocks his head to the side as if listening. says well the cavalry's arrived but I'll leave you with a little parting gift. And you see what is left of his mouth creaks into a smile. And he kind of Twitches the edge of the blanket and folds himself into shadow and disappears. The carrying blade clatters to the deck as out of the water come erupting these monolithic figures of bone and and burning shadow. There are six of them in all. They, in fact, look very much like the stalkers that you had seen on the island, but almost like an undead version uh, of them. Uh, okay. Alistair, you are swimming in and out of consciousness. Ernest, you are crippled by
2: pain, but yep. you are still conscious. Ernest cranes his way off his uh, right shoulder until he slumps onto his front. He brings his arms back and he plants both of his fists shakingly into the... Uh, roof and slowly pushes himself up onto his knees and then again finally to his feet and the other two Ernests like come over and pull him up fully and he grabs up the lantern he grabs up the uh, gun still shakingly, the other Ernests disappear and he starts taking steps towards the edge of the roof to looking out where um, Alistair is and where these big monoliths have come up Alistair, as you
0: are swimming in and out of consciousness, you can hear Marv and you hear his voice three times over speaking in unison, they seem to be unaware of what's happened, unaware of what's going on around them, as they're just saying, it's It's not not my my fault. fault. There's There's nothing nothing I could have done, it's It's not my fault. It's It's not not my fault, fault. there's There's nothing nothing I could have done, done, so why is it it my fault? fault? And you realize that Marv is trapped in the memory of the sinking ship, that he truly never left that this memory has dogged him for his entire life. In many ways, Marv died here. These three figures standing over you, one young, one in the middle of life, and one aged, like the fates as you begin to die. Alistair stone
1: Alistair is jamming one hand over his where his right eye used to be as there's just blood flowing into his mouth, into his nose through his fingers into his ear, down his shirt and with his left hand he clutches desperately he digs underneath his jumper and he holds a necklace it has two pendants on it one is the crystal that Heath gave Alistair when he went back to the archipelago with Puck. And the other is a small wooden cross made of ebony. And he can feel the weak, slow beat of his own heart under his hand. And he looks up into the sky with his good eye and he says, I have nothing left. Please help them. And he feels as his own heart stops beating.
0: last word it reverberates through the complete silence of this space and then there is one other sound the beating of wings as the fog breaks the cloud overhead splits and white hot sunlight pours through and through the gap Swoop two huge figures Descending, spiralling in sync together One peels off and lands protectively over you, Ernest The other lights on the deck in front of Alistair Ernest, you feel the embrace of gentle, warm, feathered wings over you hear Luna's
2: voice. At peace, Char, you're safe. Ernest looks down to the lantern and to the to the gun and he looks to the, the monoliths and he looks to the crowd and he slowly sits back down to the ground crosses his legs and says, I don't need peace, I don't need protection, I just need help.
0: You feel the feathers and the wings around you protectively. And you hear the voice again. A little help I can provide, Ernest. I name you Ernest Marsh, my champion. And you feel warm breath on your forehead. And then this eruption of heat all over your body like you are on fire but there is no pain. You feel it flood through every blood vessel in your body as your eyes blaze with golden light. You stand and draped over you, there is a mantle of golden fabric that just glows with an
2: internal light, almost like the heat of a furnace. And tell me what Ernest looks like. Ernest... Uh, in this moment, both the gun and the uh, lantern have disappeared and both of his hands are glowing gold, just like his, cu- his uh, cloak. And... Uh It extends out to about his wrist and then slowly disappears as it turns into veins uh, glowing gold as well that reach up to his arms. So the gold slowly dissipates into this kind of vein-y thing. So it doesn't fully run up his arms, the gold. It kind of slowly dissipates through the veins. Uh, Atop his head is a crown almost, but it's like those old Roman-style ones where it's the the, um, olive leaves. A wreath. A wreath of olive leaves. Um around his head, his eyes glowing brightly, this cloak that is almost like a poncho with a hood that runs down to, like, uh, about knee height. You, with this
0: fire burning in you, you stand, and you can feel the power of the shepherd of the realm of dreams is sealed on you. You are not the wielder of this power it is a blessing given to you to
2: hold a piece of their might he clicks his neck and smiles and says well granddad Edgar always said i was a dreamer this works fine for me and you leap
0: from the top of the bridge Alistair Stone. you are falling in deep, dark water. You are drifting low and deep. You have the sense that you're heading towards some prick of light deep, deep below. When you hear a voice, familiar and comforting. Alistair,
3: there is a time for this too. Carrion, let me go. I'm done. Alistair. Your time is not yet. There is more to come.
0: You are needed. And you feel a taloned hand around your... Scoop you around the waist. And you feel yourself pulled back up. And then physically up into your body. And your body raised to standing. And you feel warm breath on your forehead. Alistair Stern, I name you Champion and you feel this blaze of heat and power through your body.
1: And tell me what it looks like for Alistair. There is a flash of where with Ernest this gold yellowy light. With Alistair it is pure white. There is no colour. It is just this pure flash almost like lightning. And just like Ernest a wreath of crown appears around his head, pure white light that burns out into the, into the ocean and into the mist. Alistair's face is still covered in blood and he is, there is a gruesome gouge where his right eye used to be. His left eye looks bloodshot and warm and tired, but his head comes up and from the middle of his back, wings sprout out they are feathered smoke-like half real half illusory yeah <laughs> yeah illusory uh, these wings sprout out from his back and with a powerful whoosh they push down onto the ground and Alice's body is lifted up three meters into the air he closes his left eye and places a hand over it as if to say he doesn't need those anymore Alistair looks down to his right hand and there is a almost imperceptible push of air and the dagger moves to his hand and he holds it in a backwards grip. And as it touches his skin, there is a surge of white electricity, almost an audible hum in the air and lightning bolts spread from the dagger through his arm, up across his chest, through his head and there is a crack of thunder as Alistair flaps the wings once again, and then dives back down onto the deck. The two of you stand shoulder to shoulder,
0: elbow to elbow on the deck of the Hangman as it lists in the Dark Sea. You are both filled with this power that is not your own, this borrowed, given power. Your heads blaze with a circlet of energy and light fills your bodies, you wear the markers of your patrons, the champion of the desert and the champion of the dreaming. Stand and the battle is joined. Listening to this episode of Dark Dides, it is a joy to make this show, and our patrons and supporters are the ones who make it possible. Thank you so much, everyone who gives uh, their time, a portion of their their money, and most importantly, their enthusiasm and support to this show. Uh, It makes it much much easier to continue uh, the effort that it takes to make this for you. But we really appreciate it. So thank you all, and if you want to join the ranks of those supporting this show, you can check out our Patreon at Dark Tides Patreon. And we will see you for the next episode. Until then, bye-bye.